I suppose I'll read you one verse this morning as I work through this story. Uh, that being verse 17 of Luke chapter 24. If you would please stand to your feet in the honor of the reading of the Word of God one last time this morning. And then I'll allow you to be seated. Verse 17 of Luke chapter 24 says, And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have had with one another as you walk and are sad? Father, we have felt you here this morning. Now, we've already uh, had what we call church, if you will, Lord. And God, I've, I know that I've watched, Lord, needs be ministered to already and the hearts be encouraged. God, there's something about coming into Your presence, Lord, with Your people where it just seems like the, the cares of the world seem to shed off and those things that mattered so much a few hours ago just don't seem to matter much anymore. I thank You for that, Lord, but God, I know that there's still work to be done this morning. Father, I pray that You would anoint me to preach, Father, and God, that I would preach nothing more than You would have me to say and absolutely nothing less, Father. God, I pray that You would save sinners this morning. God, that You would encourage the saint this morning. Have your way in your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to share with you a sermon. I cannot claim any originality this morning, but a sermon that touched my life. I want to share with you a friend of mine. Uh, you do not know him. His name is Brian Bear. He's an associate pastor of the Rubyville Community Church in uh, Ohio. And uh, this morning I just wanted to um, share with you how God touched my heart through this sermon. I want to preach to you a message titled simply, Don't Throw in the Towel. Don't Throw in the Towel. If you're not familiar with that term, many of you have heard it before. Throw in the towel. If you don't know where it came from, it, it comes from an old boxing term. And in the old days when boxing used to be popular... It's kind of a dying sport now. They've moved on to that uh, UFC. It's a little violent for me, to be honest with you. I wonder what's going to come next. I imagine they'll have guys out there with chainsaws slicing each other's arms off. And, uh, but uh, it has become a violent sport, and because of it, uh, boxing seems to be uh, a dying sport. But it used to be really one of the, the main things people like to watch, that and baseball in the early 1900s. And the term throwing in the towel is a boxing term. And what would happen is when a man was fighting and he was getting pummeled, and though the fight was not over yet, and though he was still on his feet, somebody decided, his trainer, that this fight is over. And there's no hope of him winning this battle. And that's when he'd take the white towel and he'd throw it in and they'd say the fight is over. You'd throw in the towel when you were getting pummeled. When it seemed like there was no way out. When it seemed like if you just keep going any longer and if you just keep fighting any longer, you're going to be pummeled beyond repair. So throw in the towel. This morning, I want to talk to you about throwing in the towel spiritually. You see, there's some of you here this morning, you've been battered. You've been in the fight of a lifetime. 
And you're to the point where it seems like I'm never going to win. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. I've tried to serve God for years. I've came to the altar 4,000 times. I've asked God to do this in my life. And, and I keep falling and I keep falling. I'm tired of the fight. Just throw in the towel. There's some of you here this morning. You've been fighting for your marriage for years. You've been praying for your husband to be saved. You've been praying for your wife to be saved. You've been praying for things to happen. And, and, and you're so tired of the fight. And, 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 and everything has become so difficult that you've eventually decided you're just going to throw in the towel. I want to submit this morning, there's a lot of you here, probably under the sound of my voice. You're still married. You're still coming to church. You're still in that thing. But somewhere down the line, you threw in the towel and you quit fighting. You decided it's over. I'll just live this miserable existence the rest of my life until God comes to take me home. Maybe you've been in a relationship with your family or friends and, and it just seems like no matter what you do, it's never enough. And you give and you give and you give and they take and they take and they take and you end up hurt and you end up wounded and you're always in a battle. And somewhere down the line, you got the thought, just throw in the towel. Maybe you've been praying for God to heal your broken heart of something that happened to you years ago. Or maybe somebody left you or somebody hurt you and, 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 and you deal with pain and depression every day of your life. And you fought it and you fought it and you fought it and you found that the fight was so hard you just wanted to throw in the towel. You see, there comes a time in every Christian's life when he finds out, man, I didn't just sign up to be saved, I signed up for war. And a lot of times that realization is a little overwhelming. What do you mean there's going to be times when I can't feel God? What do you mean there's going to come a time when that excitement just seems it's just vanished? I don't know where it went. It wasn't on purpose. And now all of a sudden you happen to walk by faith and, and it feels dark and lonely. And, and you know that God said He'd never leave you or forsake you, but you're in a fight. And some of us, some of us find out that, wow, this thing is a war. And you get tired and you get, and, and, and you get confused and you decide, I'm going to throw in the towel. This morning, can I tell you, don't throw in the towel. Amen. We see two disciples here. Men that had walked with Jesus. They'd sit in the quiet place and listen to Him teach. And they threw in the towel. I want to talk to you this morning about being discouraged. You live discouraged long enough, friend, you'll eventually throw in the towel. I'm not going to be long this morning, and I mean that. But I want to show you some things that happens when we live discouraged. First of all, in verse 13. Discouragement will direct your steps. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. They had left Jerusalem. This is where Jesus was in that tomb. And you, don't you forget that Jesus had told them that, that uh, destroy this temple and in three days I will rebuild it again. It's interesting that on the third day is the day they left Jerusalem. They had even heard some noise that some things were happening. 
But can I tell you this morning that discouragement will direct your steps. There are some of you here this morning, you've been discouraged, and you're allowing that discouragement to direct you and decide which direction in life you're going to go. There may be some of you here this morning that you're at a point in your life and you've got to make some decisions. You can't just stand there forever. You know you've got to move forward in life. But friend, if you do it while you're discouraged, you will allow that discouragement to direct you down a path that you wish you never would have went down. Discouragement will direct your steps. It's interesting they were walking together. I don't... You listened to my heart this morning. I'm trying to encourage you, and by the time I'm done, you'll see that. But let me tell you this. When you're discouraged, you need to be careful not to hang out with a bunch of other discouraged people. Normally, discouraged people tend to gravitate together, and they just get together, and they're just spending their time. It's a lot of times kind of like what what people show up on a Sunday morning. They're just showing up and, and out in the foyer and... You know, everybody's comparing lemons, deciding who's got the bigger lemon and who had the worst week. And, well, guess what happened to me last? This happened to me. And then so-and-so hears, and they step in, and they've got something else to happen, even worse than what happened to you. Discouraged people tend to gravitate together. I'll tell you one of the reasons why. Because when we're discouraged, we don't see straight. And I'm just being honest with you this morning. When we're discouraged, we want to be in a pity party. And we want everybody to come along and say, oh, brother, I understand exactly how you feel. It's okay to be, to, to be that way. And, and if I was in your shoes, I'd feel a hundred times worse than you. And, and now that we get to talking, you know what? Matter of fact, I've got some things to be discouraged about. When we're discouraged, we don't think straight. Number one, discouragement directs our steps. Number two, You can say amen. I've been preaching for the last ten years. I've never went through one point that fast. Hallelujah. And thank God I've only got 24 more. Number two, discouragement causes us to dwell on the past. Look at verse 14. They talked together of all these things which had happened. Discouragement causes us to dwell on the past. One of the things you'll do when, you'll dis- when you're discouraged, somehow, some way, it doesn't matter what's going on now, your focus is on what happened yesterday. Your focus is on how who hurt you last week and, and how you, you lost your job a year ago and how, 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 how so-and-so died three years ago and what may have happened then and how these people hurt me or how and things didn't work the way I thought I should. And when you're discouraged, that what happens in the past seems to captivate everything you think. Discouraged people drive through their life most of the time like this. They're driving forward and they're looking in the rearview mirror and deciding which way they're going to go by looking at what's behind them. And I tell you, that's a dangerous way to drive. Eventually, you're going to run into something. Eventually, you're going to wreck your life if you spend your life living in the past. Discouragement will direct your steps. Number two, discouragement will cause you to dwell on the past. Number three, discouragement will deaden your your senses. Look at verse 16. But their eyes were restrained that they did not know Him. Discouragement keeps you from seeing things a lot of times that are right in front of your face. It keeps you from hearing things that have been said. It keeps you from feeling things. I've watched people, and again, 
you know my heart. I'm not cutting anybody down. But I've watched people come in and sit under the power of God. The Spirit of God is flowing. Lives are being touched. They're not trying to be negative. They're not coming with the bless me if you can attitude. But friend, they can't feel anything. And when you're discouraged, and you're justifying your discouragement, and you'll come in and say, what in the world is that pastor so happy about? Why is he clapping his hands? Where's the joy these people have? Where's it coming from? Am I in a different world? Am I somewhere else today? Discouragement will deaden your senses. Can I tell you, when you're discouraged, there'll be people that care about you, they love you, and, and they'll try to love on you, and they'll try to encourage you, but you won't hear it, you won't receive it, you won't feel it, and you'll leave and you'll go home feeling the same way you came. Nobody cares about me. Nobody wants to help. But everybody's trying to help. Everybody does care. People are praying. Discouragement will deaden your senses. Number four, discouragement is detected by others. We saw that in verse 17. Jesus said, what manner of this conversation is it that you have as you walk together and are sad? You can't really hide discouragement. It shows through. You might be discouraged and you might think you have us all kidded, but friend, I promise you, you don't. My heart breaks when I see discouraged people. It shows through. I promise you it does. Discouragement is detected by others. Eventually, as you live discouraged, there's just so many symptoms. I'm going over them now. We see, we see you kind of taking a path you really shouldn't be taking because discouragement will direct your steps. We see that your senses are deadened and you find it difficult, difficult to, 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 to live with joy and, 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 and rarely are you thankful for what's going on. And, and, and discouraged people generally get disconnected. They don't like to be around the crowd. They, don't, they, they, they begin to, to fade away. I'm telling you, discouragement is detected by others. Are you discouraged this morning? And I tell you, God does not want you to be discouraged. Matter of fact, a lot of times when we're discouraged, and I know God can do it because He's done it for me, He'll show up and wrap His loving arms around you say, Child, everything's okay. But let me tell you what God really thinks about our discouragement. You can look at it there in verse 25. Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe. God says your discouragement, my friend, is foolishness. It deadens our senses. It's detected by others. Now look at verse 18. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you only a stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? Let me tell you what they were talking about. They believed that the one who they thought, and they'll tell us this, we thought he was a prophet. We, we thought he was uh, possibly the coming Messiah. The one that they thought was the Son of God, the one that they thought everything he spoke was true, all of a sudden he's gone and he's dead and their whole world's falling apart. Can I tell you he wasn't gone? Can I tell you he rose three days later? Can I tell you that nobody killed him? Nobody took his life. He said, I lay my life down willingly. He was in control of all things. He told them before it ever happened. But discouragement sunk in. They couldn't see straight. They couldn't hear right. And because of this, 
They were thinking things that didn't even exist. Discouragement will cause you to think things that don't even exist. Man, discouraged people think, oh, Jason Thomas, he looked at me wrong today. I've known him. He hasn't, he hasn't really cared about me and loved me for years. I knew it. And then the discouraged person goes a step further. You know what? Jason talks to his mom a lot. I'll bet his mom thinks the same thing about me. Matter of fact, that whole count family, you can't trust one of them. Hey, we can laugh about it, and it is funny, but you know what? It's the truth, and you know it. You get discouraged long enough, you start thinking things that don't even exist. Man, I've had discouraged people sit down and tell me how things were going, and you're talking this weave of web, and it's like, whoa, we've got to untangle that. It ain't like that. It ain't like what you think. But discouragement will cause you to think things that don't even exist. Verse 21, expanding on that thought, discouragement distorts the truth. Verse 21, but we were hoping that it was He who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. (laughs) You know He told them, in three days I'll, I'll rebuild this temple. It's interesting that finally after three days of discouragement, they were, their, their thinking was so skewed, they had forgot the truth that on the very day he said he'd rise up again is the day they decided to take off. I'd like to think I was above that. I'm sure that I'm not. But I'd like to think I would have at least stuck around till the fourth day just to make sure that what I thought and I was thinking is what happened. But you see, discouragement will distort the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You'll rarely find anybody that so distorts the Word of God as those that are Christians living discouraged. You see, the Word is truth. I'm excited about this study we're doing. I'm not just talking about truth, about who likes you, who doesn't like you, and what's going on here or there. I'm telling you the truth of the Word of God. Discouragement will distort it. You won't see straight. You won't hear straight. You'll read a passage and you'll say, well, it can't mean that. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. That must have been one of those typos when they translated that thing. Discouragement will distort the truth. Verse 24, finally. Discouragement will dominate the present. It is amazing. They're explaining to Jesus why they're sad. You've got to understand, these aren't just any two old people. Speaking of the disciples, in verse 12, we find that Peter ran to the tomb and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes by themselves. He departed marveling to himself at what had happened. Now behold, two of them. Two of them. We also find later, in verse 33, that they arose, returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven. These were people who were close to Christ. These were his disciples. These weren't just any old two people walking around discouraged. They should have known. That's my point. Now look at what they say. 
They're explaining to Jesus why they're sad. Isn't that interesting? They said, do you not know? Yeah, he knew he was there. Yeah, he knew he was there. In a little bit, he's going to explain that doesn't change anything. And they're saying, well, you know, the one that we thought, Jesus of Nazareth, was prophet and, and mighty indeed and word before God. Well, he's dead now. And we were kind of hoping that it was him who was going to redeem Israel. Now, look at this in verse 21. Besides all this, today's the third day since these things happened. And certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find the body. Well, you think they would have started jumping around. Thanking God. And they came also saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Now you would think they would have come unglued and went telling the world, I ain't seen him yet, but I know he's alive because I know what he said and he ain't there. But you see, discouragement will dominate the present. You'll have every reason in the world to be thankful. And you get honest about it, you're not. You're not thankful. You're waiting for circumstances to change. And I already told you once, and I'll tell you again. There comes a time when we find out we're in a war. That's a battle. Sometimes the battle seems to to ease up a little bit and you get some breathing room and then all of a sudden here it comes again. You're going to have to learn that as a child of God. This is a fight. And it's a fight until the end. Man, we live in a society that it is just a kind of give it a little try society. Just just try this marriage. If it doesn't work, just throw in the towel. Just try this for a little bit. If it doesn't work, throw in the towel. Just try this thing for a while. If that doesn't work, throw in the towel. I'm telling you, that's a society that we live in. The culture that we used to have of stick it out through the hard times. Pay your bills. Even when it gets rough. It's just something that's fading into the past. It's creeping into our faith. I tell you this morning, don't you throw in the towel. Discouragement will dominate the present. Even though you'll have every reason to rejoice because your senses are deadened, because you're headed down the wrong path, because you're dwelling on the past, because you're thinking things that don't even exist, it will dominate today. And I tell you, thank God, the story doesn't end there. And first of all, this is just a little bonus point. Not even in my notes. Aren't you thankful that God didn't throw in the towel on us? Aren't you thankful that when Jesus was, was being beaten and mocked and bruised and they put that, that, that piece of that uh, cross across His back and made Him walk up that hill, that He didn't finally say, I think I will call those 10,000 legions of angels. And He didn't throw in the towel on us. Hallelujah! Thank God! He didn't throw in the towel on me! I was hopeless, bound by my drug addiction, bound in my selfishness, 
bound in my worthlessness. And there came a time when Joplin Emerson threw in the towel on himself. God said, son, I think I'll just pick that up for you and I'll start fighting the fight for you. Thank God He doesn't throw in the towel. Are you discouraged now? I preached a long time on being discouraged. I want to talk to you about learning to defeat this discouragement. It doesn't end there. In verse 33 and in verse 34, we find that they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and began to proclaim that the Lord is risen indeed and He has appeared to Simon. Now something happened between verse 14 and verse 33 that changed their life. What happened that destroyed their discouragement? Number one, they started listening. Look at verse 25. Then he said to them. Then he said to them. You know, I already told you earlier, but discouraged people don't like to hear anybody tell them anything. If you're going to overcome discouragement, you're going to have to start listening to the Lord. You're going to have to start hearing the Word of God. They started listening. Can I tell you that if you're discouraged this morning, and I don't mean to hurt your feelings, I'm just telling you the truth. If you're discouraged this morning, the real problem you have, if you're a child of God, blood-bought, born again, the real problem you have is you've got a faith problem. Your faith is misplaced. They were discouraged, and then they began to listen to the Lord. You see, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. If your faith this morning's battered, and if you're doubting God, and you're confused, and you're wondering, can I tell you, you just need to get in the Word. You need to start listening to the Lord. And the more that you're in the Word, and the more that you begin to hear it and receive it and, and, and see it, you see the Word, and it makes, and all of a sudden, it moves from here down into here. Can I tell you, that discouragement shortly starts to slip away. I'm a man just like you, and I've dealt with discouragement. Whether you know it or not, every week I get up here and I preach to the best of my ability. I'm preaching to myself too. I fought discouragement and depression for years. Thank God in the last two years I've learned how to defeat depression and discouragement through faith in the Word of God. And I mean that. I don't take medications. I've been prescribed three different times medications in my past to to fight off discouragement. I don't take them anymore, and I'm happier today, and I live with more joy every day than any time I ever took a pill in my life. It is possible. And during those times, I would find that I'd get discouraged. I'd start thinking things like things that aren't even true. Nobody's behind me. This ministry's never going to work. Maybe God didn't even call me to preach. Maybe people just come because I know how to speak well. And they're confused. I ain't anointed by God. He ain't ever called me to do a thing. That's why it ain't working. That's why it'll never work. You see, you start thinking things that don't exist when you're discouraged. And believe it or not, I do too. But something happens when I begin to open up the Word of God. And I see that Paul said that I'm confident in this one thing, that he that began the good work in me, he's the one that will finish it. And then I turn to the Psalms and I find David say that 
Though 10,000 fall to my left and 10,000 fall to my right, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. And I begin getting in the Word. And I I start listening to what God says and not what I think and not what people think and not what circumstances say. And the Word becomes alive as I begin to listen. Secondly, verse 29, But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. They haven't seen yet. These men have not been delivered yet. But they just got a little bit of the Word, and it caused them to, to want him to stay. I watch people almost every week of my life. They show up and they feel God. I mean, they feel Him. And somewhere deep in their soul, there's just something's happening and it hadn't happened in years, maybe ever. Can I tell you, it's at that time, friend, you've got to make the decision, I'm going to take hold of this man named Jesus. I don't understand it all. I don't see it all. I've still got a little bit of discouragement. I'm fighting and everything. Because they don't know that they're talking to Jesus yet. Their eyes have still not been opened. And I might not understand it all. And I might be going through a difficult time. But something inside me tells me I need to hang out with this man named Jesus a little bit longer. They constrained him to stay. The greatest things you can do if you're discouraged is learn to start spending time with Jesus. Get into the house of God. I don't know, I ain't no prophet, but I'll bet every one of you that showed up discouraged this morning, you might feel a little bit better. I ain't saying your discouragement's gone and you're ready to skip around this place shouting with joy yet, but, but I'll bet the majority of you, you showed up with some discouragement, you're feeling a little bit better. Man, get into the house of God. Get around some people and praise and thank God through the pain and you'll find out you spend a little time with the Lord. That discouragement starts to slip away. Something eventually happened. It changed their eyes. We find the answer in verse 30. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And then he vanished from their sight. Why were their eyes opened? Because now they were communing with Christ. In verse 14, they were just communing with each other. But now they were communing with Christ. And I tell you that when you start to commune with Christ, that's the answer this morning. It's not about self-esteem. It's not about thinking this or that. It's not about a set of processes that make you better or this or that. It's about learning to commune with God, to sup with Him, to have relationship with Him. And as they communed with Him, and they spent time with Him, and they ate with Him, and they walked and they talked with Him, all of a sudden, their eyes were open, and they saw that He indeed has risen, and He indeed is the Son of God. He is who He said He is. Our hope was never gone. Nothing was ever out of place, but God was in control at all times. They communed with Him. Man, that's the answer this morning if you're discouraged, friend. 
It's not about anybody changing anything else in your life. People fail you. You stick around here long enough, I'll fail you too. Guarantee it. People fail you. Circumstances come into life that aren't fair. People die. People get sick. I heard a tragic story last week about a young boy that six years old got wrapped up in a tractor tire. Broke every single bone in his body. 3,000 pounds of torque over his head as it went under that wheel. One of his legs turned completely around. They thought they were going to have to amputate the leg. I don't understand why things happen the way we do. We live in a fallen world. And I can promise you this. If you're living discouraged because of your circumstances, you'll be discouraged the rest of your life. You can have everything that you think would bring happiness. You can be debt free. You can have friends. Healthy family. Nice job. And wake up lonely and empty every day and go to bed lonely and empty every day. Because you see, the goal is learning to commune with Christ. He is the answer. This is why the psalmist said, As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. They communed with him, and all of a sudden, discouragement. And I tell you this morning, you just need to spend some time with God. It is the answer, I promise you that. You need to start listening to him and spend some time listening. A little less time speaking. A lot of times when we're discouraged, we're always telling God what he needs to do. And if he'd fix this and that, all of a sudden I'd find some peace. We just need to stop a little bit and listen to God. Lord, what do you have to say to me? Pick up the blessed book and get your face in that book and begin to pray. God, speak to me. God, move in my heart. Show me what I need to see. And as you do that, spend some time with Him. Grab a hold of Him, even if you don't understand it all. Be in the house of God. Be around God's people. And then learn to commune with Him. Live with Him. In Him. Through Him. And Him in us. And then we find... In verse 32, something happens. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn with us while He talked with us on the road and while He opened the Scriptures to us? I'll go ahead and ask our worship team to come. Isn't it amazing? And by the way, this is not a story. This is history. Isn't it amazing that when God shows up, You can go from discouragement to having a heart burning inside you so much, you've got to get up and go tell somebody about it in the matter of just a second. Their hearts burned within them. I want to ask you something this morning, church. When's the last time? And be honest with yourself. There's no point in showing up this morning if you're not going to be honest with yourself. When's the last time that your heart burned within you? To go tell somebody about what God is doing. When's the last time that it was so hot in there and 
and the fire was burning, and, and yes, things were still happening in this world, and yes, there was still difficulty and pain, but just as the prophet Jeremiah said, His Word burns within your hearts. When was the last time? And is it burning this morning? It needs to. It needs to. Don't throw in the towel. Last thing I want to tell you is that Christ was there all, the long, all along. The only thing that changed is what they saw. God was in control the whole time. God was doing what God said He was going to do. Jesus was taking care of business. The angels came and rolled back the stone so He could get out? No. No, He didn't need that stone. wasn't holding Him in in the first place. They rolled it back so we could look in and see He's not there anymore. He's alive. And this morning, He's alive. And He can meet your need this morning. He was in control the whole time. He had never forsaken them. He had never abandoned them. But I'm telling you, they were, their, their, their senses were distorted. I don't understand the pain you've been through. I don't know your circumstances, friend, and I don't pretend to. But I promise you this, God's never forsaken you. And you might not understand it just as these disciples did. But friend, if you'll simply trust Him, listen to His call this morning. Make the decision that though I don't understand it all, I know I've got to grab a hold of this man named Jesus. And then begin to commune with Him. You'll find it'll destroy discouragement. Father, we love You this morning, God. This is Your church, Your people, Your day. Father, I pray I've not said anything, God, You would not have me to say. God, I just pray you take it and do what you want with it, Lord, this morning. God, I believe there's people that are close to throwing in the towel. God, you want them to know, no, pick that thing up, this fight ain't over. Lord, I believe there's sinners here this morning. They know they need to be saved. They sense you moving in their soul and their spirit. And God, right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray against every, every bit of embarrassment. Yeah, every excuse that would come for waiting another minute. Now is the day of salvation. Today, this is the hour.